previously on The Contrarians. We have a whole bunch of, I mean, a summer's worth of episodes and then Stranger Things with the Winonis at the very end. Jesus. That That's August 20th. So we have a whole summer of Winona Ryder stuff. And if you're with us for the summer of Travolta, you know it's an epic, very fun undertaking. I'm sure Winona <laughs> will uh, will do the same, even though she's a very different kind of performer compared to uh, to John Travolta. I very much hope that we will be able to be together for uh, the Winonis. I would hope by <laughs> August that we're allowed to be together once more. Um... Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at ContrarianPrime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash ContrarianPrime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Avnio for Julio. That's O V N I O. Now, time for the podcast. All right, I am recording for the Winonis. Hello and welcome one and all to the prestigious award ceremony known as the Winonis, the second uh, singular entity award ceremony in the history of the Contrarians. We have our usual annual awards, but only ever has one other actor had an entire award ceremony dedicated to them. That, of course, being the incomparable John Travolta with the Travoltes of 2018. Was it 2018? Man, how time flies. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. It was a great time. It was an oh my God time. <laughs> and much like that, we've had a, a very dramatic, at points melodramatic time with the summer of Winona. And that brings us to where we are here today. Uh, I am Alex of the Contrarians, joined as always by my cohort and my... Uh, co-pilot in this summer of Winona. Julio, we've arrived at the end. Yes. The end is the beginning. It's the end. Uh, when you look at the the titles that we've covered over the summer, it is crazy, Alex. I don't know if you've like taken the time to really like look at them and just assimilate how oh, we yeah. ping-ponged <laughs> all over Winona writer's career and American history at the same time. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's been quite the gamut. I, reading over them to prepare for the awards summer ceremony, I was like, this is uh, quite the yo-yo. Not even yo-yo. It's like a fucking, I don't know, what's what's completely right? It's a bouncy ball that we just threw down a fucking 60-foot stairwell, just <laughs> bouncing all around to every end of the spectrum. I was going to say a boomerang, but not even that, because we didn't come back to where we started. We started with Mr. Deeds and ended up with Heathers. I mean, for God's <laughs> sakes. Uh, but through it all, one constant, Winona Ryder, 
that's really what tied it all together. That it does. And we're here today to dole out uh, some awards and a couple of, uh, I guess, the equivalent of Razzies for uh, her performances and supporting performances throughout this summer. We've made sure to rely uh, way more. We've leaned way more heavily on the positive than the negative. The negatives are just more of like singular call outs than actual awards, I guess we'd say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it, we just we have to in order to honor what's good, you kind of have to call out what's bad sometimes just to make that distinction. It, not everybody can get a trophy. <laughs> To run, you at first have to crawl, and so we need to point that out. Yes. So, Julio, we're just going to jump right into it. There's been so much uh, preamble and exposition given throughout this whole damn summer that we're just going to get to it. This is going to be the meat and potatoes, just right down to business. So why don't you run us through the movies that are eligible, uh, those being the movies that we cover during the summer of Winona. Well, here we go. <laughs> uh, we started with Mr. Deeds, as you said. All the way back at the beginning of the summer. Mr. Deeds, Beetlejuice, Alien Resurrection, Lost Souls, Reality Bites, Bram Stoker's Dracula, The Dilemma, Edward Scissorhands, The Crucible, Homefront, Little Women, Heathers, and then, I don't know if you considered this when you were uh, setting up your ballot, Alex, but I wrote down Stranger Things. Uh, will Stranger Things get any awards? That's to be seen, but I, I would just like it to be known that I at least considered it. I did not, but that is also to say that it would have not received anything to begin with. <laughs> Most underwhelming Winona Ryder uh, entry in the summer of Winona. Uh, well, again, n- none of my issues with that were necessarily with her. Most current Winona Ryder. That's the award it gets. <laughs> It is the thing that she most currently did that I watched. Yes, that's that's accurate. <laughs> All right. Well, Alex, I'm going to follow your lead. You just tell me which category we're tackling, and uh, and I got them ready. All right. So the first award that we are doling out here at the official 2020 Winoni ceremony will be that of Best Supporting Actor in a Winona Writer film. Uh, so for the best, we'll have three. Uh, we'll just... Uh, you have three, correct, Julio? I have two runners-up and uh, a, a winner that will take the, the Winoni. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, we're a bit more kind than the Academy in that we're giving out at least a couple uh, honorable mentions, uh, not just sending everyone home empty-handed. So for my third-place Best Supporting Actor, uh, the second runner-up, I guess I would call it, I have Gary Ullman for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Just... <laughs> off his fucking rocker in that movie. Uh, just You know, you want to talk about someone just committing to it. And that's the point. I was When I did these, I I started with a really critical analysis. Uh-huh. Who was the best? Then? And uh, But then I started thinking about, okay, what was the most memorable? Or what did I have the most fun watching? And what was the thing I would be most likely to tell someone about? And Gary Oldman, absolutely, and his Mr. Burns makeup in that movie is... Well, and then you also have sexy Gary Oldman, and then you have like Liam Gallagher, Gary Oldman, when he goes to town. So I couldn't not give him some props uh, for supplying one of the more memorable acting performances from a male in the summer of Winona. Surprisingly enough, not even on my short list. I, ah. I, I, I yeah, and it's not because I think he's bad. I, I think that he's 
he's great actually, but maybe it, the performance is a little tainted by the fact that the romance didn't work for me in the movie, and so I just I have that attached to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm done with that. Was that the longest movie we did in the summer, of Winona? Uh, I'm looking. Down. It, it would be close. Definitely. I mean, over two hours. Uh, yeah, it's probably between that and uh, maybe the Crucible. I mean, DDL doesn't get out of bed for less than two to fifteen. <laughs> so you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he gets final cut too. So. <laughs> you don't fuck with his lines or his pauses or anything. Uh, all right, who's who's your your second runner up or your first runner up? Uh, second, so yeah, first runner up is uh, Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice. Digital character, but for the for the intents and purposes of the Summer of Winona, much like Gary Oldman, who was Dracula in Dracula, they're supporting. I don't know how you couldn't at least acknowledge Michael Keaton in, in that just so good, so funny, so natural. And I assume anyone listening to this has seen or heard of Beetlejuice and they're probably going to understand that Michael Keaton's in most circles, the most celebrated part about that movie. And then uh, the Winoni for supporting actor in the summer of Winona. Uh, I had a lot to say about this movie, but I just couldn't, I couldn't not give it to Daniel Day-Lewis for The Crucible. You just went with all the big names. It's the most refined performance that we got from a male in the summer of Winona, in my opinion. And it was a, for all my qualms with that movie, it was a pleasure to watch for the first time because he's Daniel Day-Lewis is just a marvel in that. He just wants his name. My, my name I cannot sign. Why? Do you mean to deny this confession when you are free? I mean to deny nothing. Then explain to me why you will because not... Because it is my name! Because I cannot have another in my life! Because I lie and sign myself to lies! Because I am not worth them. Dust on the feet of them you have hanged. I mean, I think this is the only situation uh, for at least the past 30 years that you would refer to Daniel Day-Lewis, Michael Keaton, or Gary Oldman as a supporting actor of any sort. <laughs> but there you go. They're there offering support. Uh, all right. So I'm glad that you went like the big name route because I, I, I went a little different. And my first runner up, rather my second runner up is... <laughs> It's a uh, W.R. Brown and Lost Souls, because honestly, Lost Souls sucked, <laughs> but W.R. Brown provided that that little bit of levity. I I still laugh whenever I think of how easily he snapped that guy's neck, and that is a highlight of the Summer of Winona for me. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't give him an actual Winoni, but I'll, I'll throw him a bone. He, you know, he snapped the guy's neck. He made me laugh. He would get. He would get a, a, a clip at the award ceremony. Is <laughs> yes. the the table or the you know the section of the the audience that's like the lost soul people? They're all sitting there like we don't belong here. <laughs> but W. <laughs> Brown is there with his wife and kids. Uh, so that's my my second runner up. First runner up, you know, I I 
I wasn't sure between these two, but I ended up going with James Franco in uh, in Homefront because, like I said in the episode, I he reminded me of how good James Franco can be. He's uh, he's having fun, but he's not slumming it. He's actually putting in the work. And I, if you listen to the episode, you know I wasn't crazy about the movie, but I really like his performance. Uh, the year of Franco, twenty thirteen. <laughs> Dude, I, I really want to say that that movie I referenced in the, the previous episode, uh, The Letter, that was also 2013. So he was like up and down. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Uh, but yeah, he, him and Homefront, I'll, I'll give him the nod. But in the end, I it's, I think, inevitable to agree with you that Daniel Day-Lewis just... Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Unstoppable. It's my name. Give me my name. Uh, he's so good. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, this this one's for you, Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, and you know, I that is a performance that I wouldn't be because you know, all kidding aside, I'm not gonna tell anybody you should watch Lost Souls for W. Brown or even you should watch mm-hmm. Homefront for James Franco. Uh, oh no, there's a lot more to that movie to enjoy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I would tell anyone. I'd be like, you know, you should watch it if nothing else for the performance that Daniel Day Lewis puts on. Uh, even if you don't think that you're gonna like the the that type of movie, I think it's it's worth experiencing because of that. That's exactly what I said. Like, my I had qualms with the movie, but it's like it was absolutely worth watching because he is in his fucking element in that movie, and it is just absolutely outstanding. So, agreed, one hundred percent. Wow, an anonymous Winoni. I don't know how often that's going to happen. So currently at the Winoni ceremony, uh, walking off stage right now, not unlike uh, Bong Joon-ho at the Oscars, you have Daniel Day-Lewis with his two Winonis, and he's going to make him kiss. <laughs> yes. Who's uh, who's escorting him? Uh, it would be somebody from uh, from the Crucible. So, uh, uh, oh, God, what's the name of his wife in the Crucible? Uh, Joan Allen? And Joan Allen. So yeah, it's, uh, did she give out the Winoni? Yeah, she gave out the Winoni, and she's courting him, maybe. Okay. And then, so like the next year at the Winonis, Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> will give out the Best Supporting Actress Winoni. Yes. <laughs> well, no, maybe you know for for it to make sense, I think that it has to be whoever won uh, or one of the winners from the Travolties. So maybe it's uh, Rene Russo, because I know I gave Rene Russo a Best Best Supporting in the Travolties, so. Rene Russo's right. given given the Winonis to a DDL. So out next to present Best Supporting Actress would either be Samuel L. Jackson or Sonny from Greece. <laughs> so uh, Supporting Actress, same deal. We got two runners-up and an official Winoni recipient. Uh, for my second runner-up, coming in third, I have uh, back to home front already. Two uh, shout-outs. Uh, Kate Bosworth, because for all the parts of that movie she's definitely the one that's most like eh, it's kate bosworth it was a bone thrown in 2013 because she was like you know a hot topic and honestly of all the characters involved in that movie of all the actors it may have been the biggest stretch for her uh because she wasn't certainly in a place like franco winona Ryder, or jason statham of like having a comfort zone for what they're capable of. Mm -hmm. And what's asked of her in this movie is she's uh, a smack addict that basically is trying to get sober and dealing with like the failings of her family and her life and all that. And then she kind of had, 
more, I think more than any character in the movie, she has a full story arc of like redemption in the end yeah. where she comes back and does good. So again, the way I went through this was uh, the intangible of being memorable and the thought of not necessarily the greatest or like the most easy to see, but what stuck out most for me. And she definitely fell into that category. Um, number two, one of the only times I got verklempt in the whole summer of Winona was uh, when Claire Danes left us in Little Women. <laughs> and due to that scene alone, I felt I it, it will be the only acknowledgement that Little Women gets on my uh, Winoni's lineup. But I think one of the things that really stuck out to me about that, too, was that it was her first movie. Yeah. And like I said, on the Little Women episode, it's you see a lot of things where people start young and you see, oh, there's that kind of raw talent. And, you know, maybe they'll shine through in this way. Nope, she was always great. Claire Danes was always fantastic. And that and specifically what what's their what's her character's name? Uh, Beth. Beth. Beth Dice. Yes. Don't don't name your daughter Beth or your dog Beth. It's just a cursed name at this point. There's there's been eight films telling you not to name your daughter Beth. And uh, there'll so be Claire more Danes, until people learn for good. <laughs> there will definitely until the end of time. Fucking death taxes and Little Women film adaptations are all that's certain in this life. And eighties nostalgia. That's that's really what's <laughs> gonna take us all the way till the end. And then lastly, my favorite actress of all time. And <laughs> I, I feel there's I a built-in bias for that, but also just Diane Weist and Edward Scissorhands. I mean, Diane Weist is great as she is, but for her to transfer her ability and her just gift to encapsulate um, motherly attributes and the I, maternal instincts to a fucking Tim Burton movie seamlessly and not seem out of place. I think it just speaks to her ability as an actress. And as we discussed in the Edward Scissorhands episode, um, maybe could have ended a little different for her character, but that does not take away from the shining light that she was in that movie. What happened to your face? Hmm. No, I won't hurt you. But at the very least, let me give you a good astringent, and this will help to prevent infection. What's your name? Edward. Edward? I think you should just come home with me. Uh, we have one overlap. And uh, that is my both our second runner-ups, runners-up. Uh, fuck, our second runner-up. That's when you Americans and English like to do the plural before the up. That just I don't understand it. <laughs> but anyway, Kate Bosworth. Yeah, I to me, you know what happened. I I kept waiting for her to do something that would make me laugh, like where I could make fun of her. And it never happens in the movie. It just, she's 
she holds her own. She's like, like you said, they're asking a lot of her. And that character could have so easily become something that we make fun of and that we laugh at. But no, she holds it. And actually, she has those moments. I really like, I mentioned in the episode, I really like the, the moment when she uh, is caught off guard because uh, Jason Statham and her kid and his kid invite her kid to the party. And she doesn't mm-hmm. know how to react. And she kind of like puts it on the kid and she's trying to act tough. That's, that takes, that's, uh, that needs recognition. I think that everybody else, yeah, you're right. They were kind of like doing things that were like, oh, it's not a stretch. They're being really good, but not, uh, they're not stretching as much as, as Kate Bosworth. Not even with her writer with her, uh, frizzy hair and her, uh, uh, just, <laughs> what, what would you call that? Is that like the, the Louisiana, uh, oh, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, second uh, or first runner up, I have a different little woman. Uh, I have Kirsten Dunst because, as we mentioned in the episode, <sighs> you actually miss her when she leaves. The, the, she made it hard for Samantha Mathis to play the older Amy because you can't help but compare her disfavorably to younger Amy. Uh, she's just. Uh, I said in the episode again, she plays a precocious kid that doesn't annoy me. And that's a hell of an accomplishment because if you know me, you know precocious kids get on my nerves in movies and in real life. <laughs> so kudos to Kirsten Dunst for pulling that off. Uh, however, to me, the the best supporting actress, Winoni, is going to go to the ultimate Winona best friend. And that is Janine Garofalo in Reality Bites. Ah, good pick. She, uh, she's God, just, she's so hot in that too. She's hot. She's quotable. She dances. She's funny. Uh, it's just she's great. And uh, I, it's one of those characters that is just engraved in my mind because of the way that I, you know, I grew up with that movie and all that. And it was such a pleasure to revisit it and see that. Not only did it still work for me, but it also worked for you. <laughs> that was one of the big things. Will Reality Bites work for Alex? And how many of its uh, elements would work? And Janine Garofalo was one of them. So that that's cool. So she gets my Winoni. But I have to tell you, you're not alone. You're not. And you're not dying of AIDS. You don't understand. Every day, all day, it's all that I think about, Okay. Every time I sneeze, it's like I'm four sneezes away from the hospice. And it's like it's not even happening to me. It's like I'm watching it on some crappy show like Melrose Place or some shit, right? And I'm the new character. I'm the HIV AIDS character. And I live in the building and I teach everybody that it's okay to be near me. It's okay to talk to me. And then I die. And there's everybody at my funeral wearing halter tops and chokers or some shit like that. It was a 90s nostalgia movie made way before its time. There you go. It was so meta that it was a nostalgia movie made in its time. It was nostalgic about itself as it was happening. It's season three of Stranger Things. (laughs) So for worst supporting, I just have worst supporting because there's only one pick just to stress how worst they were. uh, And that is uh, Ben Chaplin and Lost Souls. (laughs) Wow, and that's uh, not even. I I do have two runners up and and a pick, and Ben Chaplin is none of them. <laughs> oh, awful! Not his fault. Ben Chaplin's probably probably a nice guy, and he, you know he's done some things that are fine. Just horrendous. I'm Ben Chaplin, and I act because it's a difficult question. Um, 
uh, I've never done anything else, and uh, I suppose it's because I'd, once you started doing it, you, you wouldn't want to work you know, for a living. I mean, that's fine. I have no problem. I'm not going to just jump with the grenade to spare Ben Chaplin. He did pick that movie. He decided to make it. Uh, but Not the hill to die on. No, no. I've seen him in better things anyway. But uh, no, I have. I, I, you know, it's been a good summer because I actually had, like you, I, there's not a whole lot of war supporting performances out to where we would even need to split it into male and female. But I do yeah. have three. So to me, as much as I love the guy, and it really doesn't bother me, but it has to be mentioned that uh, Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula is is not on the same level as everybody else. Uh, and we discussed it in the episode. It's not to the level where people have made it out to be now. You know, no. it's it doesn't deserve to be memeable, <laughs> and and it definitely it doesn't deserve to uh, mark what the movie is remembered for, but. At the same time, when you're watching it, you can tell that he's just not comfortable, and so is in over his head. Yeah, and so I, I kind of felt like I had to acknowledge that. On the other hand, uh, much less charitably, I think John Turturro, Mister Deeds, just I cringe. Not doesn't work for me. The accent, the the quirks with his dead foot, the big reveal at the end, nothing. I, I was a lot more favorable towards Mr. Deeds than you were. <laughs> that was like right up the beginning of the Summer of Winona. And uh, Tortura doesn't work for me. So, no. But, and here, here might be like the biggest surprise of uh, the Summer of Winona. <laughs> to me, worst supporting uh, character, male or female. And everything that we've covered is uh, our friend David Harbour in season three of Stranger Things. And it hurts, Alex. Because I love David Harbour in season one and season two. And I think that's why I hate what they do to his character and what he does to his performance in season three, where he just becomes kind of a caricature. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with Nana. What? But there's something very wrong with this thing between you and Elle. Are you lying, piece of shit? You're crazy! Crazy? You want to see real crazy? You disrespect me again. Okay. It starts with the mustache, and it goes on through most of his behavior through the season. Uh, having seen the entire season, I I didn't care for a lot of uh, what he did, the choices that he did. I, I know a lot of it was probably direction, but... Uh, a season that was supposed to really make me invest even more in his relationship with Winona Ryder and his relationship towards his aging adoptive daughter. Uh, I felt that that was undercut a lot by just how ridiculous he was, how over the top he was. So, sorry. Sorry. I don't like being negative about David Harbour. <laughs> but it's... He gets, a, he gets a Winoni, at least, even if it's for worse supporting performance. <laughs> at least he gets... He gets. He doesn't walk away empty-handed. No, he gets a shiny thing, and he's still making sweet Stranger Things money, so he can, he'll can he be okay. So, moving into the next category, we're going to go into Hottest Boyfriend from the Summer of Winona. Now, there were some true hunks that we dealt with during this uh, three-month span of covering Winona Ryder's filmography. And uh, for me, 
they were pretty easy choices because I think they covered all ends of the spectrum. Uh, albeit that two of them were pretty close together in terms of uh, the year in which they happened. Um, I had coming in at uh, number three, James Franco and Homefront, <laughs> just because he's James Franco. I mean, that's a big part of it. But in this movie, he is especially Julio. I don't expect you to be immediately able to relate to it, but if you've been to small, dingy, white trash towns like that, you know, guys like that just run, run through it. And he's obviously got to be capable if he's scoring uh, Winona Ryder at this point. Because, I mean, shit, uh, Cheryl in that movie, she's as hot as the day is long. (laughs) And it's still it's basically they took Alien from Spring Breakers, but made him hot and accessible. So they cleaned it up just enough. Yeah, they got rid of the dreads and the gaudy teeth. And just made things to compliment him. And man, you know, maybe not in the big cities of the United States, but that lizard tattoo would work wonders in other parts. <laughs> Second runner up coming in being uh, Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites, because God, you want to talk about someone who's almost a caricature of the hot guy in the early to mid 90s. That's Ethan Hawke in that movie. I mean, Ethan Hawke has always been quite a looker, but in that in particular, the hair in his eyes, the guitar, I mean, it's just everything come together. The the greasy hair really does it for you, I think. It's really everything you could want from Ethan Hawke <laughs> at that point. Julie Delpy, at that, she was salivating at the idea of filming a movie <laughs> with that guy again. <laughs> and then number one, I mean, it's obvious. It's fucking Channing Tatum. He's <laughs> hot as shit. Like it's it's Channing Tatum, rock hard body. He's so dumb. He's worth risking your entire life for because you know the lovin's got to be so good. Uh, I mean, the dilemma just paints the picture of he's he has to be the perfect lover for her to risk all that she does for him. I'm gonna end this right now. My friend Nick is ten times the man you'll ever be. You're not anything. You're garbage. Come on, I'm not, I didn't even, that's, it takes, it takes two and you know that. Yeah, it takes two, not three, prick. What are you sniveling? What? Are you crying? No, no, it's, it's, it's the oxy and it's making, come get up, come here. He, he's like one of the generation's Adonises in my opinion. I mean, he went on to become Magic Mike. He did. And movie theater seats across the country were never as clean again. (laughs) Twice. Oh, God. I forgot there were two of them. Yeah, the second was XXL. Yep. Subtle marketing. (laughs) Uh, Well, on my end, first runner-up, rather second runner-up, we made fun of him a lot. But you know what? You can't deny the the magnetism on Christian Slater in Heather's. Um, That's a fair pick. The trench coat, the voice, the, the it's it's easy to make fun of, but at the same time, you buy it on a purely physical level. Just like he has it going, and uh, even if if I thought that Winona was too cool for him in that movie, that doesn't mean that I I'd buy that they would hook up, and I would buy that most girls in that school would, would go for him. He he has the, it seems transparent to me, but I can buy that teenagers wouldn't realize uh, 
wouldn't see through his his bad boy persona his act there so uh he gets a mention uh the second mention is previous uh winoni winner ddl and uh in the crucible completely mm-hmm. different call it. kind of uh sexual magnetism here i mean we're talking about uh the uh, the pilgrim kind of uh sex appeal where you know you don't shower you don't shave but you look like you can take care of business so he he gets a nod ultimately though i have to agree with you alex and we have our second crossover because i think Channing tatum takes the hottest boyfriend winoni as well magic mike <laughs> can't be beaten oh god oh god what's going on Come on in the house. What, are you going to shoot me right here on your porch in broad daylight? Are you out of your mind? No, 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 not if you're in the house. I've Googled this. Do you want to know how it works? Yeah? You come inside and I defend myself. Now, I'm not going to pump six bullets into you. No, no, that would make me look crazy and kind of, you know, out of control. No, I'm going to pump three into you. You get an ass Congratulations. <laughs> he does. Well, I, I'm pretty sure it's an ass double, but... God, now I'm just thinking of, like, the, the post-party... The promotional photo of Channing Tatum and Daniel Day Lewis holding up mirroring Winonis. <laughs> they both have two up and making them kiss. I don't know, and someone's yeah, I'm trying to think of who's behind Ethan Hawks behind him with like the comically large bottle of Grey Goose vodka. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a night on the town. I mean, the hottest boyfriend has to segue into the hottest Winona. I think that's the the, the fair parallel. Oh man, that this is maybe the richest category. An embarrassment of riches. Yep. Uh, obviously, yeah. We we made it clear. I don't think we're going to be. There's no creeping on this. It's very. <laughs> we've established the rules are adult Winona, and I think I took that a bit literally because as as has been evident with the summer Winona, I like I like my mature Winona very much. Uh, so for my second runner up, Winona Ryder, Cheryl, and Homefront, I think is. I would describe her as the most obtainable hot. That character <laughs> in that movie, I believe that I would have a shot at talking to at a bar and her letting her letting me buy a drink for her and potentially getting to make out with her in a parking lot somewhere. It would She's be a got garage. that Yes, a garage. She's got the humidity frizzed hair that's very specific to Bay Areas and uh she's smart and cunning, but also is still uh, a bit laxed and uh, a bit more open than some of the other Winona characters that we've experienced. Uh, coming in second, the one I would have absolutely no shot with, but God, she was so hot, <laughs> is Winona Ryder in The Dilemma. Just <laughs> someone who is very, uh, you know, cunning is too nice of a word to describe her character in this movie. Conniving, I think, would be the right word. And very dead set on getting her nut, and I would have no part of that. I, I wouldn't even know how to talk to a woman like that. So but, wait, wait, no. I mean, are you saying that you wouldn't have a shot with her because, in at the time that the dilemma is happening, she's already hooking up with Channing Tatum? Because you know, if if you get there before Tatum gets there, I think I I think that she can pick you over, uh, Kevin James. Uh, I don't know. I think if I got there when Kevin James got there, it, it, it might be a, a more fair game. But I think she, at that point she's dead set on what she wants, and that's a big hunk of wiener meat in the shape of Channing Tatum. Uh, but God, like just aesthetically, her in that hockey jersey, beautiful. So, so hot. And then 
first and foremost and talk about like me having no business talking to a woman that looks this good uh <laughs> my feelings on the movie aside Winona Ryder and Mr. Deeds is just <laughs> you want to talk about a comeback and you could spell <laughs> you know the come of that part two different ways if you really wanted to and uh it's she's so gorgeous in that movie I don't know I can't remember if we even discussed it in the uh episode we did on it if it was she dyed her hair for that movie or whatnot, but it makes it stand out so much so because she is blonde in that movie. Mm-hmm. And and I'm typically not one of those people that like freaks out about blondes, but she she's just remarkably gorgeous in that movie. And it it's obviously she's a very attractive woman, but in that it's it's this weird taken to eleven. Can I take you to the hospital? No, no, I'll I'll be all right. I just feel a little dizzy and violated. I'm fine. Whoa, 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 whoa. Please, let me take you to the emergency room. Oh, oh, I'm sure I'll be all right. I just need to perhaps walk it off. Could you? Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name's Pam. Pam Dawson. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree, and that's our crossover. I almost had her at number one for for, for a good chunk of time because really, uh, I guess I'm not used to blonde Winona and the novelty of it. Just really, uh, I think that's the right word to describe it. The novelty of it. It's the outlier in the summer of Winona because it's the only time she's blonde. Well, she's blonde in Edward Scissorhands, but it's a different kind of blonde. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's comically. Overcolored uh, Tim Burton blonde, or <laughs> also more innocent kind of blonde. Uh, it, it does not surprise me that she's your number one because she's also conniving and kind of two faced the way that uh, <laughs> Winona is in the in the dilemma and in Homefront. So of course you have a type, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, she's super hot. I'll, I'll call her like my my second runner up though uh, because I think that when it comes down to it, I like my my Winona with shorter hair. Uh, so my first runner-up is Winona and Alien Resurrection, which is a movie I enjoy a lot more than you do, <laughs> and partly because Confirmed. of Winona. <laughs> I don't care that she's an android. She can have my heart. I, I think that she, she can pull off the short hair look, which, you know, not everybody can pull off. And uh, I just like seeing her in, like, a, the, the, the sci-fi setting, which is pretty cool, even when she has, like, the goop inside like when you know she gets shot and there's you can see the mechanisms for somebody it's not sexy when you see it on bishop but it's sexy when you see it on winona writers well finally in the end i i kind of i have to go back to basics and kind of i gave jenny garofalo the best supporting and and we know right on reality bites lelena i think i just have the most attachment to her in a way and it, it, it's i can't Shake. It's kind of like you know your first crush. In this case, like my first Winona crush, and it just overpowered everything else. I think she's super hot. She has like you know the short hair, and she she has uh, I think the the personality to match uh, the looks. So I'm giving it to Winona Ryder in Reality Bites. You know, you're very beautiful. I mean, I mean, uh, seriously, you're. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, not really good with compliments. 
Um, but, uh, um, <laughs> are you religious? Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I guess, um, I guess I'm, uh, a non-practicing Jew. Hey, I'm a non-practicing virgin. <laughs> a much nicer pick than yours, personality-wise. <laughs> yeah. I, I need my women to not value me at all. That's basically <laughs> how I need to be. See, I need to rescue her. That's <laughs> that's my thing. So moving right along into Winona performances, we have to have the yin to the yang. We have to call out bad when it's bad. So we have to start with the worst Winona performance in the summer of Winona. And uh, like I said in the introduction, Try to keep these brief. I just selected one because I didn't want to go too far into it, uh, into the the realm of negative, that is. So my worst Winona performance actually, uh, oddly, mirrors my hottest Winona performance in Mr. Deeds. Because really? aesthetically, while she is very appeasing, uh, Winona is capable, Winona Ryder, and when you talk to like I know her personally, like she is capable of comedy and she is capable like Heather's is, is tried and true proof of that. But what happy Madison tries to have her do in this movie is just so outside the realm of believability and probability. I have to believe it was part of her big comeback because she knew that no matter what her con- contribution to it was, it was going to be critically panned, but it was still going to make a shit ton of money. So people, her name and face were going to be out there again. But I mean, Lost Souls is not good, but this, the Mr. Deeds gets the worst Winona performance from me. There's a couple things you're not aware of. Like how to tweeze your eyebrows, for instance. Also, when Deeds gave away his fortune, he gave away something that wasn't his. What are you talking about? I have here the diary of Preston Blake. I stole it and read it. Please don't be mad at me. I did it for good reasons. I promise. Oh, man. I, I know we already we argued about it at the beginning of the summer when we did uh, the Mr. Deeds episode. But I, I think that there's a lot of cringe-worthy moments in Mr. Deeds and a lot of stuff that doesn't work involving Winona, but I also find her to be the funniest thing in the movie. I think that she has a few moments that are really, really funny. Uh, which, you know, at the time you accuse me of just being blinded by her beauty, but we're four months removed from that and I still think she's funny. <laughs> and I've seen her be hot in other movies. So, I no, I, I think that uh, especially considering the material, she, she does well. She's done worse. As, as I'm about to prove to you when I give, I also have one pick only for worst performance. And to me, it is Lost Souls <laughs> because she is doing nothing there and it's not her fault. But the, the fact is that there's, there's nothing going on with her character. She's at the mercy of the director of photography. Uh, all she gets to do is just react to like creepy camera movements and special effects and uh, really not much more than that. Uh, she doesn't have chemistry with, with Ben Chaplin. She 
doesn't have any sort of arc. The big moment of the movie, well, there's a few, but you know, the, the ones that are supposed to be big don't work. And I know it's not just on her, but uh, a lot of it has to do with the screenplay and the way the things are staged. But in the end, there's like I don't feel anything from that performance and from that movie. Uh, it's uh, to me, it's like the one time that she completely strikes out. Uh, so to me, it goes to uh, what was she like? The sort of ghostbuster that she is in uh, in Lost Souls. She gets the the Winoni for me. Excuse me. You have to put your napkin in your lap. Gina, how's this? Better? I'm sorry. She's really into rolls. <laughs> Doesn't your daughter put her napkin on her lap? I don't have a daughter. Oh. Aren't you lonely? Okay, that's enough. I have someone who takes care of me. But he's dead. Jesus is dead. Fair enough. Going from the... If this was the two-faced coin, we're going from the burnt, scratched up uh, (laughs) side of it to the clean head side. With the best Winona performance in the summer of Winona. So my second runner up being the crucible. And as much as I said about the movie wow. and in, in particularly her performance in it and a lot of my perceived thoughts on her inability to sometimes carry out that stage like performance. And, and a lot of that comes down to, she was going up against Daniel Day Lewis, which there's only a handful of actors or actresses in the history of time that could go against Daniel Day Lewis in that setting. And, uh, be successful but when she's on in that movie she is on and I do find a lot of the courtroom stuff really silly and uh, almost over the top but in particular the scene where she meets Daniel Day-Lewis in the the woods and explains she basically comes to him as though she's possessed and is talking mm-hmm. uh, about all the things that have happened to her fictionally that she's made up but presenting them to him in such a way that she's trying to present like she believes him, but she's also clearly lying to him. The layers of acting that it requires to pull off something like that mm-hmm. is fascinating. And she does a really good job of being a fawning younger woman over an older man. And it's like I said, there are holes and issues I have in that movie. I, I That's one of more of my favorite discussions we had during this. So, if you haven't already listened to the Crucible, check out our Crucible episode. But I thought it just showed her raw ability as an actress in that, and it's very impressive. Uh, number two shouldn't be a surprise at all over how much I was freaking out about it when I saw it for the first time was the dilemma. Uh, not trying to say that the dilemma is up there with the movies that we've watched necessarily, because uh, it's not, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Winona's <laughs> performance in that was one of a polished actress, but also um, I think going a little outside her comfort zone. I don't know if that's because she was working with Ron Howard or who she was working with, but that movie does not deserve the performance she gave it. Uh, (laughs) As we discussed in the episode about that, there's a lot of really interesting aspects to that movie, but what she gave to it was very uh, not expected at all. And like I've said, this few scenes she gets in it where she really just gets to go off on these big tangents. It's very impressive. Uh, And again, a lot of what I was picking from this was 
for the memorable quality, and that is definitely at the top of it. But my Winoni for the best Winona performance, and I think best and favorite might be interchangeable words for this, but mm-hmm. it has to go to Beetlejuice. I thought Winona Ryder, her joy is so infectious in that movie. You did this? You carved all these little houses and things? Mm-hmm. And this used to be your house. Why do you want to scare everybody? Well, we wanted to frighten you so you would move out. <sighs> you don't know the Dietzes very well. My father bought this place. He never walks away from equity. Why don't you leave? We can't. We haven't left the house since the funeral. Funeral? God! You guys really are dead! This is amazing. It's a lot of young angst mixed in with what we would come to find out of her later on and her ability. And I just think it's a perfect blend of all the Winona-isms and, you know, almost at this point, stereotypes and uh, aspects of her that would be caricaturized and parodied to this day. There's just certain parts of that movie that what she expresses are not replicated by anything else we saw. And I think that a lot of that comes down to um, the the way a movie leaves you impacts so dearly how you feel about it. And her lip syncing and dancing at the end yes. of that movie to jump in the line, it's it's like if we were doing, if uh, I was more talented, can make like a music video retrospective, it's the closing clip I would end <laughs> on the summer of Winona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny because we've, you know, I, it definitely, I've always liked it, but I can appreciate it even more because when we first watched it, it was the second movie of the summer. And so we were coming fresh of Mr. Deeds and it, it felt like in a way, well, anything would be better. Right. But also it, it, it also felt like, oh, but it's not a major performance. You know, because you had you had Michael Keaton and you had Gina Davis and you had Alec Baldwin, and so Glenn Shaddix, uh, of course. <laughs> but it, it, I liked it. You know, when I first watched it, I liked it when we watched it for for the show. And now, having gone through like the the roller coaster of of the the lineup we had for the summer, I like it even more now. Looking back, because it's like, man, it wasn't a fluke. It was. You know, it was talent. <laughs> so I agree, even though she's not even uh, on my runner-ups for Beetlejuice. Uh, on my end, what I have is, uh, first, I I know I like her more in this movie than you do, but to me, Little Women, what she does in Little Women without getting uh, big Oscar clips, like I said in the episode, is, is pretty commendable. I like it a lot. It's just, uh, it's so effortless and so... Uh, crucial to to that movie she just she's joe and she holds it together and and uh you know whether it's just like her with her mustache and her top hat just being silly or her turning down christian bale uh or her reacting to uh claire danes passing it's just never a false moment but also without getting any flashy uh, uh, scenes written for her, I don't think. You know, I think that's like one of the key differences with uh, with the later version, like the most recent one. So it works for me a lot. I, I liked it so much uh, rewatching it. Uh, number two, or well, number one for first runner up, surprisingly, Reality Bites. Because honestly, 
halfway through the summer of Winona, if you, you know, I would have told you Reality Bites is going to be like my number one in so many levels. Uh, and I still think it's a great performance. She's just uh, still, after everything, if I think Winona Ryder, the first performance I think of is Reality Bites. And I think she's funny. I, I, I think that she sells the romance uh, with both Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke, even though the romance itself is not something that I care for, but she she does her part she and she does it well and it's it's great but really heathers came in at the very end My God. and took it from her uh took it from reality bites yeah to me heathers and we had similar problems with heathers we both of us uh didn't care for the ending but i think that winona ryder is just on fire in that movie you know, I have a little prepared speech I tell my suitor when he wants more than I'd like to give him. Gee, Blank, I had a really nice... See, the speech is from Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. You don't deserve my fucking speech. Betty Finn was a true friend, and I sold her out for a bunch of swatch dogs and diet coke heads. Killing Heather'd be like offing the Wicked Witch of the West. Way east, west. God, he sounds like a fucking psycho. She's just really funny and really uh, just, you know, she walks away with the movie, and it's especially noticeable when you contrast it with. What are you the talking other. about? That's a freaking lie. <laughs> I was about to say, especially when you contrast it <laughs> with uh, the guy that's trying really hard to walk away <laughs> with the movie. <laughs> Every town, yeah, he's uh, he's fine, but but yeah, we know writers just great, and it was uh, the biggest surprise, the biggest discovery of the summer of Winona for me. It was just uh, it's such a pleasure to find out that she's as great in it as everybody was saying. It's like the complete opposite of our uh, Stranger Things reaction, <laughs> where the hype in this case didn't ruin it for the most part. You know, forget about the ending, but the, as far as the performance goes, yeah, top notch. She gets a Winoni. Uh, for Veronica Sawyer. All right, moving along in the Winonies, we have the which Winona are you category, which Julio <laughs> proposes to me, and it's essentially as it explains in the title. Which Winona do you relate to most in the summer of Winona? And again, uh, for as much as I had to say about the movie, my second runner-up coming in was Abigail in The Crucible. Not that I ever, you know, cried... <laughs> Jesus. Cried witchcraft or... Uh, cried a fire or panic or anything like that. But um, there's something to relate to about being so head over heels with someone that you'll convince yourself that whatever you're doing is fine. And uh, all, I mean, granted there's about 30 seconds of that movie where that prevails through without making her seem like a complete fucking psychopath. But I think there's, <laughs> There's certain parts that her character motivation gleams through and it's something I could relate to in terms of at times I have been so smitten and in some cases in love with people that I could just convince myself to think, well, if A, B, C, D, you know, E and F fall into place, then I'll be able to make this happen. And so... Half of Salem will be hanging, but at least we'll be together. <laughs> I could believe if I lived, you know, in the fucking, what is it, 1640s in that movie? I'm trying to remember what the time period is, but 
I was back in those days, I probably could convince a few people that I saw a goat flying just to <laughs> snuggle up with a, a matronly gal of the neighborhood. Um, in a far more realistic sense, uh, I, my my runner up being Kim from Edward Scissorhands, still similar to uh, the Crucible in a very um, over dramatic. Uh, way over analytical way of looking at a character and thinking of situations I've been in where the right thing, be it romantically or just a choice in life was in front of me all along. And by the time I realized that was the right choice and wanted to embrace it, it was too late. I think that's not exclusive to me. That's someone anyone can relate to, but I think Kim and Winona as Kim and that definitely painted that in a very relatable way more realistically and not unlike Jesse Eisenberg in Adventureland, I definitely think the character I related to most in the Summer of Winona was Lelena from Reality Bites. Because there's n- wow. nothing I can relate more to than someone who graduated college and thought they were going to fucking take the world by the balls and just <laughs> fell flat on their face than uh, me. I think that's... <laughs> I just don't. understand why things just can't go back to normal at the end of the half hour like on the Brady Bunch or something well because Mr. Brady died of AIDS things don't work out like that I was really going to be something by the age of 23 honey all you have to be by the age of 23 is yourself. I don't know who that is anymore. There's definitely a certain level of moxie that comes along with graduating from college, uh, especially in America, that uh, I think movies like that are important to let you know, hey, yeah, it's good that you do this, but it doesn't guarantee that anything good is going to happen to you. And then also the the dueling uh, romantic interests and wondering what the right choice is and thinking he made the wrong choice and then realizing maybe there was no right choice to begin with and as much as how that, many how many Ben Stillers have you left in your wake? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> my my romantic history is not one that I'm particularly proud of, but I mean most of my respective Ben Stillers have had much better hair than he did in that movie. So at least I have that going for me. It was, uh, there was just for all of that movies, uh, pandering and I, I hate using the word failings because it sounds way too harsh, but for all the things about that movie that I wasn't overly crazy about the Lelena character absolutely could relate to 100%. So that, that was my Winona for the summer of Winona. Man, if we had people that could make us a My Winona song, given the the context of that movie, that would be perfect. Oh, man. We should have thought about it uh, much sooner. (laughs) A little late in the summer of Winona for for that kind of uh, request from our listeners. Um, All right. Well, mine mine feel almost like two on the nose. Uh, But, but, you know, uh, you are what you are. Actually... My 
My second runner-up, not so much. It, this was just a realization that I came to as we were recording the Heather's episode, but Veronica Sawyer and I do have one thing where we that we have in common, I guess, in our high school experiences. And I, I told you during the episode that I, I can relate to that idea of to being in that position where you're witnessing things that you don't approve of, but you don't interfere because you don't want to jeopardize your social standing. And I was never as popular as Winona Ryder is in Heather's. Uh, and, and I did not hang out with, you know, the crowd that she does, but I did, you know, like we discussed in the episode, I managed to to go through most of high school without really being picked on. Uh, and I could have been picked on certainly a lot. And so Part of me navigating those waters was just me knowing that I needed to either look away or pretend that I found something funny when really I was kind of, uh, you know, appalled or disgusted by it, by the way that other people were getting picked on. So that is, I mean, certainly nothing to be proud of. But also, like I said in the, you know, back when we were recording the episode, I think that's something that uh, a lot of young people go through because when you're young, you know, you just kind of like you're in that panic of uh, if if you're doing okay, you certainly don't want to somehow fall into doing as bad as somebody else is doing. And yeah, you definitely do things that you wouldn't do as an adult, hopefully. So yeah, Heathers, Veronica Sawyer. We have a little bit of a overlap, uh, Veronica and I. Uh, then, now talk about on the nose. I mean, yes, Lena, for me, although not so much, definitely about the, the whole college thing, but in my case, it's just that I went to uh, film school and, you know, Lena is a uh, an aspiring filmmaker in Reality Bites. And she goes, uh, you know, she's recording everything all the time. And there was a time in my life where I was doing that. In, and I was doing it like she is, like thinking that it was going to amount to something, that I was going to be able to come up with some sort of uh, generation-defining documentary. Uh, and no, of course... I didn't, you know, you're just recording yourself and your friends doing stuff. But uh, but definitely, if I wasn't doing it before watching the movie, I was definitely doing it shortly after. And that was sort of like my inspiration and just thinking, you know, like the the idea of her, her big dilemma of, you know, selling out versus being true to her roots. I mean, it's something that the movie kind of like just pays lip service to, but but it's still there. And that's something that sometimes I've thought about and felt like I, I was navigating those waters again <laughs> but not see unlike you I don't know that I've ever had that I've never been lucky enough to have to choose between Ben Stiller and uh and Ethan Hawke <laughs> I was more like uh I guess uh I don't know Steve Zahn just kind of like being comic relief in the background <laughs> uh and then the, finally uh Joe March and Little Women which honestly I wouldn't have thought about it uh, before the summer started, but it's not just that she's a writer, and really, what I do now the most is just write whenever I'm not trying to make a living, uh, and I'm not podcasting. And uh, we touch a, a, a little uh, on it during the episode: the idea of uh, creating something, but maybe not everybody uh, appreciates it or, or kind of uh, gets how much work you put into it. You know, like uh, we joked about Susan Sarandon's reaction when her manuscript, when Nona Ryder's manuscript gets burned. And Susan Sarandon's like, ah, just get over it. Forget, <laughs> you forgive your sister. And to somebody that writes, it's like bullshit. I mean, 
that's that was a lot of work that's not easily replicable uh so there's that and just the idea of kind of trying to follow uh your destiny away from the standard uh, what would be expected of you and just following it through because you want to be a writer because you want to be a filmmaker or whatever you know just I can identify with that but also and it didn't hit me until very recently uh, as I was thinking about this it's funny because the way that my life turned out you know it did I I, I did end up with a happy ending as far as love goes you know I I but it was something that I had kind of like written off in a way that, you know, Joe in the movie, she is not interested in having a relationship and she ends up having a, a relationship with Friedrich and supposedly, you know, it's a, it's a happy ending there. I be needing someone who knows how to teach. Is there nothing I might say to keep you here? I confess that I was hoping that I might have a reason stay but congratulations on the celebration of your marriage oh no 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 that's that's amy it's my sister amy and, and laurie <laughs> actually no i i'm not married please don't go so far away and i criticize the movie for that because it feels like a kind of like a cop-out but, you know, in my own life, I was already kind of determined not to have a, a a long-term commitment. I ended up getting married two years ago. And it's funny because it made me think that when it happens to a guy, the you know, it's like, oh, it's a triumph. He settled down. But when it happens to a woman, it's like, oh, it's a tragedy. She settled down. <laughs> uh, and I know it's because of... Just the history, Winona is kind of like a, in, in that movie, she's a symbol of the woman, the independent woman that has to break through the norms that society has put on her. And, and you know, when it happens to a guy, it's not the same, doesn't carry the same weight. But anyway, I was thinking about a lot about that. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense that uh, Joe March would be the ultimately the, the Winona I have the most co- in common with. Even though, again, I, I don't know that I have a Christian Bale, uh, that I've had a Christian Bale ever in my life. <laughs> It's probably for the best. I was going to say a shocking turn of events, but I know you like that movie way more than I do, so I guess it can't be too shocking. Oh, man, you need to see me with a mustache and a top hat. (laughs) I would pay to see that. (laughs) All right. Moving into the penultimate category of film. So we have to start, of course, with the the negative uh, for worst movie in the summer of Winona. Worst film in the summer of Winona, as it were. Uh, <laughs> I had to have, it just as a quick honorable mention, Mr. Deeds and Alien Resurrection, just to stress how much I disliked those movies. You fucker. Alien <laughs> Resurrection. <laughs> and then I would be shocked if we didn't have an overlap on this, just going over the summer of Winona, the only one that like I actively was bored and couldn't find a single thing to enjoy about it was lost souls aside from the comical neck snapping yep <laughs> it's, uh, i mean as if you couldn't tell by the fact that i it's also my my worst winona performance not even wl brown snapping that guy's neck can save that movie it's just it's funny because i think that uh when we're recording it you know you were more worked up about alien resurrection of mr deeds but Lost Souls didn't even get that out of you. <laughs> it's no. just like, eh, 
Just <laughs> pure benevolence. Super generic horror movie. I believe in God and the devil. In fact, I know that they exist. You know why we're here. I'm going in with you. You wouldn't last five minutes. Once you face evil, true evil, you discover something. You know what's funny? Uh, uh, our friend Hans, who will plug at the end of this episode, but he he sent me a message saying he had just listened to the Lost Souls uh, episode, and he. Because, you know, we mentioned one of the things that we complain about, both laughing about it and also as a serious complaint, is just how ridiculous it is that, the, I guess, Satan, the devil, is leaving all these clues as if he's actually, he wants to be found. And uh, Hans told me that that's actually some uh, uh, a sort of trope in these type of movies, which obviously I haven't seen that many of them, but that that's part of what the devil does in part to mock uh, Jesus and the arrival of Jesus. Because, you know, when Jesus was born, there was like a lot of signs leading to that. And, you know, the three wise men also, you know, they were following the star and all this stuff. So so that's this way of, I guess, mocking God and the son of God is to kind of recreate a little bit that, that scenario, but with the Antichrist, which I thought was interesting, but of course it didn't make the movie any better. <laughs> it's still the worst thing we watched this summer. No, not at all. I, I would agree that that was not something that, would improve my enjoyment of it. But I, I guess I appreciate that someone got that out of it. <laughs> All right. Moving along to best film in the summer of Winona. Best motion picture. Best motion picture. I had a really hard time getting these in order because obviously, as stated, I I really enjoyed uh, Homefront and the Dilemma in ways that I really did not expect to. Homefront more so. Homefront, I think, is a, a very good movie overall. The Dilemma, I just think there's really good parts too. Uh, but for my second runner-up, what came in was Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is just so utterly absurd. And really, the only thing that doesn't work about it is Keanu Reeves. I feel the rest of it is uh, good and <laughs> interesting and extremely on the nose for the time with like the sex appeal, but the gore also and the, the casting of it all. I was just really surprised because I felt like I had heard conflicting things going into it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, it is not a generation defining film. It's a, you tell Francis for a couple of that. <laughs> it's a B level horror film, but with like this a plus 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 cast to it. So it's it's so fascinating to watch. But, man, I had so much fun when we did. And, you know, for the length of it, you know, the maddest rule we always discuss, I at no point really felt bored by it. I, I think it might have started to drag a little bit at the end, but then it was completely redeemed with just the, the excessive gore almost to a comical extent. I had a great time with Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, my runner-up in an unprecedented turn of events in the life of Alex Mattis. <laughs> Tim Burton batting a a, a double here. Um, <laughs> for my runner-up, I have Beetlejuice. Uh, just as we talked about in the episode, just made me so damn happy. Uh, mm -hmm. Just watching it and everything about it, it was. It's just hard. It's hard not to watch that and not be smiling or dancing or something in your seat by the end of that movie. It's it's great. And then 
my best best motion picture in the summer of Winona is Edward Scissorhands, a movie that I had completely misremembered and unfairly maligned and <laughs> unfairly categorized in this pocket bag satchel what have you of Tim Burton films that it didn't deserve to be bundled up with and I got a remarkable level of enjoyment and also fulfillment from watching that movie this go around that I it was one of the more unexpected things that I've gotten from movies we've watched in the duration of this podcast and I'm grateful that we had the summer of Winona so that I had to like there was an obligation to watch it because I don't know if I could say I was ever going to rewatch it again. And because I did, right. it's just what I got away from it was absolutely fantastic. And we watched a lot of good movies with this, uh, way more so than the summer of Travolta. But <laughs> with that, I, I cannot say enough good things about it. And my Winoni for best motion picture goes to Edward Scissorhands. It's very fitting because uh, the entire build-up to us watching Edward Scissorhands was you every few episodes, whenever it came up, just talking trash about it. And <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the biggest twist of the summer of Winona was you actually liking it. It was it was great. Um, it was a Winona miracle. <laughs> uh, well, on my end, I you, you know I kept switching these back and forth rearranging them because they all have flaws that you know that i can use to say well no then this one goes at the bottom but in the end i just kind of have to go with my heart uh so my second runner up is the crucible which i i hadn't watched since it came out and just re-watching it was great and honestly just the conversation we had after made it even better I I'm just like so into it and I, it's a movie that I would you know I said it when I <laughs> when I gave Daniel Day-Lewis his uh, his Winoni it was like a movie that I would just tell anybody that they should watch it it's it's great then Beetlejuice would be also my first runner up and I think it's great you're right it's a lot of fun it has so much talent in it uh, so much uh I, I wanted to give uh, Gina Davis some sort of acknowledgement uh, on the Best Supporting Actress, but that category was stacked. Uh, it was stacked. And she's great. She's so great. Yeah, she's great. And, you know, of course, we know that. Just, uh, it's, again, once you see how Beetlejuice fits in the puzzle of her career, even that early on, it's just, it's fascinating, you know, to me that to go from, from Lydia to Veronica in such a short span, it just makes me appreciate both performances so much more. Uh, so yeah, that's, that'll be my runner up. And then, but in the end, I, I have to go with my heart and as much as, uh, there are elements that don't work for me, I, I still have reality bites at the top for, you know what it is? Reality bites is my stranger things. 
Reality Bites is like old and 90s nostalgia that I I can just mainline and and then enjoy everything else. Everything but it was else. actually made in the time. It wasn't made to pry <laughs> and prod on your nostalgia bone. That's true. That's true. But but I think that the the high I get from watching uh, Reality Bites, uh, the high I get from that 90s feeling is the high that some people may be getting, or a lot of people may be getting from Stranger Things uh, in, in its 80s form, even though it was not. It's your Empire 80s. Records. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like uh, you said in the episode, it's my uh, my almost famous. Oh, no, no. It's yes. my uh, it's my adventure land. That's what it yeah. is. So, yeah, it's I mean, I guess unsurprising because if 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 Lelena is sort of one of the Winona's that I am, then, of course, it it, it tracks that it would be uh, that Reality Bites would be my my favorite slash best movie of the summer of Winona. Oh my god, Lee, he just got fired from the newsstand. He needs a place to stay till he can find a new job and get his own place. Vicky, that's the American dream of the 90s that could take years. Look at it like a built-in security system. We'll have a man around okay, the house. We'll have a uh, hall monitor, that's what we'll have. I don't even know if this is allowed in the building. It's not like Mr. Roper's gonna burst in. I'll just stay on the couch. Vicky, he will turn this place into a den of slack. What the hell is your problem? I have to work around here, and unfortunately, Troy, you are a master at the art of time suckage. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Miss Poster Girl, for the workers' party, but until I get that uh, toehold in the burger industry, I got a little time to suck. I'd rather check into a shelter than deal with her shit. Okay, the ending should be better. I don't know that Ethan Hawke earns it, but that's fine. I don't care. It's, it's a great time. She should have told him, baby, you're going to miss that flight. <laughs> oh man he he had such a tumultuous uh history of relationships ahead of him just like winona that's all that fucking uh richard linkletter did was watched reality bites <laughs> and he got three movies out of it <laughs> all right so closing us out to the the award of the evening the most iconic winona moment in the summer of winona do you have runners up for this category oh yeah i do Okay, I felt so strongly about mine. I just assigned one. Oh, uh, so let's. Uh, why don't you go ahead with your runners up, and then we'll come back to me uh, before you get your finale. Okay, okay. So, uh, <laughs> damn it, because I was uh, I was gonna knock off some of the things I have written here if if they were on yours, but since you only have one, uh, I know what my winner is. So. <laughs> This is just so ridiculous. <laughs> now, okay, I'm going to go with, again, I'm going to go with my heart. Uh, because honestly, as much as I laughed with uh, Fuck This Noise, it's not like I really, you know, it's not like a word worthy. <laughs> oh, no, it's amazing. But yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Edward Scissorhands, Winona Ryder twirling in the fake snow. It's an image that honestly was not branded in my mind until we watched the movie for Summer of Winona. I'd seen the movie before, but I didn't. I, I you know I didn't remember really that and now having rewatched it and in the context that we watched it it just it just feels really iconic it just her twirling in slow motion and it just signifies that that big turn uh in her character and in the story it it feels and the fact that it's called back at the end you know and she actually says that she calls it out <laughs> it's it's great uh first runner up 
one last time to the rally bites well. I think that Winona and her friends dancing to my Sharona on uh, at the gas station it's just it's just perfect. Always puts a smile on my face. It's again one of those things I always think of. I think Winona Ryder, I think of a uh, uh, my Sharona and that dance. It's I love that it's so easy to find the the gif <laughs> to send it online because I've been using it a lot. <laughs> uh, the annoyed gas station attendee. <laughs> uh but oh well go ahead and do yours now all right so julio prepared his runners up and again for mine there was really no debate for it to me the most iconic winona moment in the summer of winona uh, when you said edward scissorhands i thought you were going to steal my thunder but um when she tells edward i love you and then <laughs> well, embraces course. him yeah <laughs> softy well a lot of it was you had to help me realize what it was like if you listen back to the episode and me like interpreting it the way i did and you explaining to me that's like yeah i don't love you like i'm gonna marry you i just love you as like this idea and i love you as someone who's warm and caring and whatnot and re-watching it and getting that and then processing it that way but on top of that it's still Winona, it's day one Winona. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the little crack in the voice and the like the kind of emotionless face, but the eyes are wide and very expressive. And it's just, it's perfect. It's like a moment I would use to encapsulate Winona Ryder. You know, that's like an in memoriam type clip of someone you <laughs> oh use. <my> God. <laughs> just, well, I mean, like, just to me, if someone like a defining moment of their career, I, I, yeah, that. Maybe it was a bit more morbid than I meant it to come across, but <laughs> to me, it expresses going through her whole, like the the main points of her her filmography. To me, it encapsulates what she was thought to be, what she was, and what she will always be capable of in terms of being an actress was encapsulated in that moment. I I totally see it, and yeah, that is a very very. Uh iconic moment and you're right i not that i've forgotten but i hadn't like really factored in that yes that it reads so differently when you see it that way and uh, i mean that was something that i hadn't really thought about until we watched it that last time and i was like yeah that's it's not it's not a love story it's just that you get influenced by you know the marketing (laughs) but really it's just she's just telling him that he is loved and that's that's really awesome uh you mean I'm also, influenced by the poster that's like, all she knows is love. All yes. he knows is how to be loved. And the co- the cover is them like buying each other fucking a puppy <laughs> and chocolates. <laughs> oh, God. Why? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going all the way back also for my iconic Winona moment. And also the Tim Burton movie. But I'm going back to Beetlejuice. And this is also uh, a gif that's that I've been using a lot and that I've been just looking at and cracking up. And that is when Winona, when Lydia 
is talking to uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin. They, they're just kind of like meeting each other, introducing each other. And and then she explains that uh, she was reading the Book of the Dead and that it says that adults tend to, uh, or people in general, tend to ignore strange and unusual things. And that's why most people can't see them, can't see the ghosts that are Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. But when a writer can't see them, and then she says it's because, and I quote, she says, I myself am strange and unusual. And the way she delivers it, the face that she makes when she's doing it, when she's kind of like cocky, she's she's trying to, you know, she's a little full of herself, but also, yeah, of course she's strange and unusual. <laughs> it's just, it, it's perfect. It's it's just so, it's such a perfect encapsulation of that character. And in a way, the actress herself, even like that early in her career, you know, it's almost as if, you know, she could like see 20, 30 years ahead and see what her career was going to be like. And it's like, yeah, you know, Strange and unusual. I, I like it. I, to me, it's it's iconic. You know, if I had seen a ghost at your age, I would have been scared out of my wits. You're not gross. Why are you wearing sheets? We're practicing. You can see us without the sheets. Of course I can see you. Well, how is it that you see us and nobody else can? Well, I read through that handbook for the recently deceased. It says, live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. You look like a regular girl to me. Perfect. Team Burton, really. It's 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 sort of walking away with the summer of Winona when, when we were not looking. He's there with like the bushels of Winonis at the after party. He's got four in each arm. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a hell of a ride, but that does finally conclude in its entirety the summer of Winona. I want to thank my co-host, Julio, for putting together this fantastic uh, arrangement of film and this really fun journey into the career of Miss Winona Ryder. And thank you, of course, the listeners, for tuning in. As has been the uh, the current, the, the ever-present throughout the summer of Winona, we want to move into our uh, perennial plugs, which include the festive years for providing our opening and closing tracks uh, for our podcast and also being so kind as to provide supplemental music throughout the summer of Winona. Uh, be sure to go to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Uh, the aforementioned Hans Rutheser, who uh, provided more insight into the going-ons in Lost Souls. Uh, he also did our logo. Uh, he is a writer, an artist, he's an economist. He does a lot of things. Go to his website, mildemonios.pemildemonios, to learn about all his work. You can uh, purchase his novels. Uh, he writes about zombies. You can listen to his podcasts. He has uh, three podcasts, two in Spanish, Nación Combi and Marginal, one about proving current affairs, one about economy. Those are in Spanish, and they're in every podcatcher. And then he has a podcast in English, Living in Peru, that's on iVox. It's about uh, immigrants to Peru. And next episode, hopefully, cross your fingers, you'll get to see the uh, seasonal logo that he's doing for us. And for really upping our social media game and social media presence during the summer of Winona, all thanks go to Zoe Perez uh, for really uh, helping us uh, reimage our Instagram game and working towards upping our Facebook game as well. I we still have Julio running our Twitter account. Uh, one of these days, he will be drunk enough that I will... Uh, convince him to give me the password to it but not quite yet Uh, but in the meantime zoe thank you so much for uh, 
what you do for us on social media and you are much better at Instagram than I could be. I don't know how to do stories on Instagram. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm old. I've gone from bitching about, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe to bitching about Stranger Things to now uh, attacking the internet in general and social media. <laughs> you know, she taught me how to do the stories. I didn't even know what stories were. And then uh, when we were first meeting about doing this, uh, about bringing her into the fold, that was one of the first things that she uh, that she showed me. So I'm sure if she could teach me, she can teach you, Alex. It's You're not a lost cause. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it would uh, somehow end up with me twirling in snow as she's making stories on her Instagram account. <laughs> so, Julio, we've long teased our next venture here on The Contrarians. We've mentioned that uh, we're going to have a special uh, customized logo for a short period of time. And basically, I think for the past two months, have continued to make allusions to our next journey. And I am proud to announce that our next journey on The Contrarians will be... On Halloween, six years ago, two men in Austin, Texas created a podcast that vowed to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. On Halloween, 42 years ago, he came home and unleashed hell on Jamie Lee Curtis for reasons that have repeatedly changed. To celebrate the scariest time of the scariest year, the Contrarians visit Haddonfield, Illinois' most infamous tale for a six-part series. Witness the terrifying highs, the dizzying lows, and the creamy middles as Julio and Alex follow the canonical chronology of Michael Myers. Beginning in September, the Contrarians will stalk their way through the 1978 original, the Rob Zombie remake, the season of The Witch, the curse of Michael Myers. 20 years later, and the 2018 sequel. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was.